Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good Monday morning to you in September. Yes, I know, I know, I know. The leaves are starting to change. It's getting colder. I know, I know. And there's nothing I can say about that. I can't, other than say a sigh, a heavy sigh. Um, so it's me, Ellie Krug, your resident idealist, a uh, human seeking to change the world. You've got me for the next hour. Hopefully I'm going to bring you along, get you excited, and get you uh, invigorated about wanting to change the world as well. Hopefully we've got another good show. I think it's a good show. I, hopefully you'll believe that. The big interview is with Richard Johnson. You may hear – you may be familiar with his name because he does a lot of um, advertising on AM 950 because it's about his company, Autotech International uh, – Autotech Incorporated, um, where they uh, donate cars to people in need. So we have a really great interview with him coming up. And then, of course, you have my C-Block, where I talk about my work and my experience as an idealist. This one's going to be a little bit um, educational, perhaps, and uh, I'll talk about something that's come up. But I want to start out by talking about 9-11. Now, we are just past uh, 9-11 here now, uh, not even two weeks ago. Um, but it's not that 9-11 that I want to talk about, not the 9-11 of 2001 that we're all so um, sadly – accustomed to thinking of when we say 9-11. Instead, I want to focus on a 9-11 of 30 years earlier. That would be September 11, 1971. It was a Saturday that year, and in the small town of Butler, Alabama, the civil rights movement had arrived. Butler, Alabama, population 2,200, was and remains the county seat of Choctaw, C-H-O-C-T-A-W, Choctaw County, Alabama. Uh, the county itself has a population of about 17,000 people. The county is um, situated in the southwestern part of Alabama and borders the Mississippi state line. So you have a good idea if you've been there, been in Alabama before, you know there's a very forested area with rivers and some Swampy areas as well. In Choctaw County, back in 1971, about half the population of the county was of white color. The other half was of black color and other colors than white. Yet, in 1971, all of the positions of power in Choctaw County and in Butler, um, the city of Butler, which is the county seat, all of those in the, in both of those places, all of the positions of power were held by white colored people. As the New York Times reported in a story by James Wooten, um, a story that that uh, took place on uh, September fifteenth of nineteen seventy one, quote: Butler seems to have been overlooked by history. The only sign of change is in the schools where black and white students study in the same classrooms. The county, its population of 17,000 split about evenly between blacks and whites, is owned and operated by white people. There are no Negroes in any of the offices at the county courthouse. There are no Negroes at the city hall. There are no Negroes in supervisory positions in the county school system. No Negroes work as clerks. 
Quote, discrimination and prejudice are as common here as the sun and the moon, said Anthony Butler, president of the Citizens Group and a leader in many of the protests. And this is of the group uh, named the Concerned Citizens of Choctaw County. Notice that uh, I used the word Negro and that's because it showed up in the New York Times in its 1971 piece that I just quoted from. And so um, by the time the late summer of 1971 had rolled around, the black colored citizens, that is the African Americans of Choctaw County and of Butler, Alabama had had enough. They had organized a boycott of the town's white color owned businesses. Um, which was uh, succeeding fairly well. And when school started, 90 percent uh, – school started in the – for the 71 to 72 school year. When school started, 90 percent of the school students, black color students, refused to attend school. This was a very, very effective political, social and economic statement that the black color citizens of Choctaw County were making. And think of – the impact that that would have had on such a small town. And thus, on Saturday, September 11, 1971, 200-plus people, mainly people of black color, were, sta- were staging a sit-in around the Butler Town Square. One of those people was a 19-year-old black colored woman named Margaret Ann Knott. As it would turn out, Margaret would lose her life that day when a 28-year-old white-colored man named Gladden Smith um, found himself um, inadvertently, he did not intend to do this, driving into downtown Butler, that's an oxymoron, of course, and finding himself in the midst of this demonstration. Um, It was obviously a mistake on navigation on his part. He should not – he should have not found himself there. And when he was in the middle of the protesters, he panicked. Um, he found that his car was quickly surrounded by uh, protesters. Um, some of them were banging on the car. As I said, he panicked. I'm not excusing this by any means. Please understand, but I'm trying to give you the picture. And um, Gladden Smith gunned the car to get away. In the process, he struck Margaret Ann Knott, 19 years old, and he killed her. Margaret's funeral then became a rallying point in the civil rights movement. Um, Remember, 1971, we are barely three years after the uh, assassination of Dr. King. Um, uh, The Reverend Ralph Abernathy of the Southern Christian Leadership Council actually spoke at Margaret Ann Knott's funeral, and he called Margaret a black martyr. There were 2,500 mourners at her funeral. I mean, so... More people than were in the town of Butler that lived in the town of Butler came to to a Margaret's funeral. Uh, she was – for part of the funeral procession was in a mule-drawn uh, wagon uh, that carried her body. That was similar to how Dr. King um, – about how his body was transported for his funeral. And there were 300 cars that drove to the cemetery where she was buried. Eventually, Gladden Smith was charged with murder, uh, but a mixed-race grand jury um, in Choctaw County failed to indict Gladden Smith. He was never prosecuted for that murder. 
Um, his auto insurance company paid out $10,000 for the incident. So that would have been on the basis of a negligence claim uh, by um, Margaret's family. Um, but again, Gladden Smith was not found criminally liable and he did not spend any time in jail. Margaret's mother, Carrie Johnson, later publicly forgave Gladden Smith for causing her daughter's death. She said she realized that we are all human. um, And she, through her faith, recognized that carrying um, hatred um, is corrosive. And she forgave uh, Gladden Smith and she urged her children um, to not hate him either. What Carrie Johnson also did do is that she pressed the Choctaw County elected officials to publicly recognize the ultimate sacrifice that her daughter had made um, to effect change in Butler County. Excuse me, in Butler and Choctaw County. She pressed county officials for more than 40 years, actually for a total of um, 48 years. Um, that finally, that pressing finally came to fruition when there was a new bridge built on County Road 45 near Yantley, Y-A-N-T-L-Y, Alabama, um, which the bridge happened to be near Margaret's home where she grew up. There's now a plaque with Margaret's likeness and words about her dedication and how it, quote, has left an enduring and positive impact on generations of all races in Choctaw County, unquote. So when they finished the bridge, they dedicated it and they named the bridge um, or at least erected the plaque and named the bridge after Margaret. It was a little late. It was 40 year, 48 years after uh, Margaret's death, um, but at least it happened. Um, unfortunately, huh, I suspect that the impact of modern-day voter suppression is being felt um, in Choctaw County because I've done some research to find out how much Choctaw County has changed since 1971. And all you have to do is Google uh, Choctaw County uh, Board of Supervisors and then uh, Butler uh, City Council uh, or Town Council and you'll find this. Um, In 2018, um, Choctaw County was 57% white color. However, every one of the, I believe, five board of supervisor members is white color. Butler County Town Council has six members, including the mayor. Out of those six, only one town council member is of black color. All the rest are of white color. Maybe that explains why it took 48 years to erect a plaque honoring an idealist who happened to be black, an African-American, black color. You know, I took a road trip through uh, Alabama uh, last year in 2018 and through other southern states, including Mississippi. I um I was impressed by how much it seemed to have changed. I saw an, uh, what I thought were a lot of signs of progress. But you know this thing about racism, particularly racism that's institutionalized, it is incredibly difficult to erase it. 
It is. But when you have people that press for 48 years to have recognition of an injustice that occurred to a young 19-year-old woman, um, maybe there is hope for our country. No, not maybe. There is hope. No question about it. Okay, well, that's uh, the end of our first block. When we come back, we're going to talk to Richard Johnson from Autotech uh, and uh, learn more about how uh, his car donation process works and, unfortunately, maybe how that's uh, slowing down or going away. So when you, when you come back, we'll talk to him. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec. Thanks. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. One opportunity is at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota on October 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. There, I'll be presenting my human inclusivity turning gray area thinking. Go to graceandover.org for details. This is a free event. That's me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, trying to make the world better. I hope to see you on October 6th at Grace Lutheran Church. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 on uh, radio. And how are you all? And um, we now have the big interview. And that is with Richard Johnson um, from Auto Technical Inc. Richard, uh, are you on the line with us? Yes, I am. So uh, uh, regular listeners to AM 950, you may be familiar with Richard's voice, uh, if not his name, and uh, with his uh, charity, uh, nonprofit, uh, Auto Technical, where um, – uh, he solicits donated cars to then refurbish and give off to other – to give to, to people in need. Um, and Richard, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to have you on the show for a while, but particularly when I started hearing your, your ads talking about how auto technical is not is, – sounds like it's going to stop being able to accept donated cars. And I wanted to hear about – First of all, the the donated car project that you instituted, and and what you know, what's the what's the barrier that's happened? You want to tell us a little bit of how you got into doing this? Sure, we started out in uh, <clears throat> 1992, where I retired, and uh, after a couple months, my wife sat me uh, down at the breakfast table and said. 
this is not going to work out. You've got to get a job. You can't be hanging around here all day. But you, you want to manage the household. So she has been in um, social worker and ran several agencies uh, that help people. And she suggested, with my background in the car business, that if I would fix up a couple of cars, maybe one or two a month, and we donate them to the church down the block. And that's how it started. We, I got a tow bar and a big LTD Ford and ran a $5 ad in the White Bear Press. And this was going to be our test market. And right after 10 days, we knew it was going to work. People were calling with donated cars. I'd take them into the local garage and pay regular price and have them fixed up and started giving them to people. And we supported the program because some of the cars that were donated and repaired, I would sell to the public. So it was self-supporting from the start. Okay. Okay. And and what? let me just ask, what was your regular job before you retired? What did you do? Well, I was a car dealer. New and used car dealers. Okay, all right. So this is well within your wheelhouse. And yep, sure was. Okay, and so beginning in 1992, and I had no idea that Auto Technical was that that long around. Beginning in 92, you start doing this, and then uh, bring us along. What I mean, how how many cars have you done over the years? How many donations have you made? Um, and and how have you helped people? Well. We've done about, it's hard to say how many exactly, but it's around 17, uh, 17,000, 15,000 cars. Holy cow. In that period of time. But you boil it down, you know, it's maybe uh, 400 cars a, a year on average, and then... So many of the cars that we pick up are cars that people just want hauled away. They just want them out of the yard. They don't run. And so we would bring them in and see if there was uh, able to salvage it. Sometimes it's pretty simple. But usually uh, we would just have to uh, haul them to the recycling yard, and then they'd pay us a tonnage for them and be anywhere from 80 to uh $130 per vehicle. So that helped pay the bills. Okay. And then, so, I mean, 15 or 17,000 uh, cars is a lot of cars. Now, were all of those then in turn donated or, or, or junked? Or you said something about some of the cars you would then sell to, would, would that to be raised capital to fix the other cars that you donated? Is that how That's it right. worked? Okay. Yeah. Every, every car that comes in is belongs to the nonprofit organization. So when we sell a car, the, all the funds are deposited into the operational account. Okay. And of course, when when we first started, the garage I had was seven hundred and fifty dollars a month, and I was a sole employee, and I didn't take a salary. So pretty pretty easy. Just had gas and insurance 
but as it as it uh, grew, we were at a point one time where we had six or seven mechanics and uh, two locations in order to have enough shop space to fix everything. And overhead grows up, and you got to process a lot of vehicles to pay the overhead would run $40,000 a month. So you have a lot of a lot of cars to sell to make just to break even. Okay. And then um and out of that uh out of the 17,000 or 15,000 cars, how many of those do you think ended up in the hands of folks who needed them? Cuz I I know well, I'm understanding that you had to have some volume of cars to sell yeah. so as to raise capital, but how many do you think Well, we always we shoot for 200 a year. 200 don- uh, donated cars in the hands of don- people that need them? Donated cars a year. Okay. Yep. All right. And, of course, as things have slowed up lately, we we try to do uh, try to do one a week. Okay. But we're right at a point where we're doing three to four a month now. And wh- we only have one mechanic, and donations are so far down, it's hard to keep up. So I want to. I'll get to the why the donations are down, but I just uh, want to uh, make sure we flesh this out. And and so okay. with in terms of the people who get the cars that are donated by ATI by Auto Technical Inc. Yeah, those folks are coming to you by way of of other nonprofits. Is that right? Yes, we work with Workforce Training Center, Life Track. They're both social programs with uh, Ramsey County. And then Harriet Tubman Battered Women's Shelter. Yeah. Those are the three that we work with. The reason we have it narrowed down to those three organizations is if we had an open door policy based on the fact that I get about three to four calls every day, people wanting a car and they need a car. But we can't, we just can't help everybody. So by having three agencies, we can control a number of people at are on the list for cars. Right now we have, I think, nine people waiting in line to get a car. Okay. And the cars that we get for, that we give to families, we don't just bring it in and then call them up and tell them to get it. We have a mechanic go through it. First thing he does is do a, Analysis of the condition, Richard. I'm, Richard, I'm, some- Richard, I'm going to stop you just right now. We're going to take a take a break, and then I'll come back okay. and we can ask. I'll ask you more about the process. Okay, all right. Okay, all right, listeners. We've been talking with Richard Johnson, a familiar voice on uh, AM 950 about Auto Technical and the and his. Uh, program to donate uh, cars to those in need. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. I always love hearing from you at elliejkrug at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, and the handle is at elliekrug. We'll be back in a second speaking with Richard Johnson. Bye. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. 
Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. I'm having an open house on Thursday, October 17th in Minneapolis. Come hear about my work and about my nonprofit, Human Ripple Works, Inc. You need to register. There's no charge, but I need a headcount. To register, go to elliekrug.com and see the upcoming engagements page. Scroll down, click on the link for October 17th to register. That's me, Ellie the Idealist, trying to make the world better. Hope to see you. Better Futures Minnesota impacts the community by addressing root causes of poverty, homelessness, dependency on public assistance, and high rates of untreated trauma that often lead to incarceration. The lives of men served have been marked by chaos, violence, and loss, which contribute to feelings of devaluation, rage, and lost human potential. Healings from this trauma is essential before participants can succeed as workers, fathers, and responsible community members. Learn how you can support our efforts at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. And we're back on AM 950, Ellie... Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. We've been, uh, before we took our break, we were speaking with Richard Johnson from Auto Technical Inc. Richard, you were explaining um, how your process works to get donated cars to people in need. And so somebody brings a car in, um, or you have to go get the car, and then you have a mechanic that goes through the cars. Do I have that right? Yes, we bring it in. We do an initial test drive. If there's a glitch in the transmission, or hear something heavy, bad noise in the engine, rod knock at certain speeds. Usually we just junk them, or we replace the engine, or replace the transmission, as the case may be. And then he, but first, of course, after the test drive, he does analysis, needs brakes, maybe it needs a windshield, tires, muffler, anything it needs. He puts on the list the number of hours required, and the price for the parts, and they bring it to me or one of our staff that okays it. And we decide, is this worth fixing? Do we want to put a $1,000 and end up with a, with a vehicle that's a $1,000 car? So it has to have enough inherent value to justify the repairs. Sure. Well, that may, So we get yep. the car. Okay. We say, we're going to go ahead with this one. And the goal is to make it what we designate as a first class. When a car is first class, our motto is, your mother could drive it to L.A. tomorrow. <laughs> so n- nothing, nothing more to fix. We've fixed everything we could find. Okay. And we do the same with the cars that we sell to the public. They're, they're first class, and if not, they might be designated mechanic special. You know, it needs some work, and right. we're not going to sell it to the public. Okay. So it generally costs about, at this point, we're at about $800 per car to recondition it. Okay. So, so Richard, so you go on with this project. I mean, obviously, these cars are in, in great need. And by the way, I've talked with I'm, – I'm sure you're familiar with Kathy Hying from the Lyft Garage. You, you've yep. met her. And so she, I've had her on the show a couple of times. Um, oh. So, you know, I'm familiar with this need for sure. Uh, uh, people need to have cars in order to have jobs. And if they have jobs, it helps them lift them out of poverty, you know. And so things are all interrelated. And so my hat is, off, right. to you. My hat is off to you for having done this. But, um, 
But what? But everything took a turn when the tax code got overhauled, right? When the deduction went away for charitable de- charitable giving, at least on the federal deductions. Is that right? What happened was they changed the tax law so that we all have a $24,000 deduction before we start doing our taxes. So you would have to have $24,000 in deductible items of interest on home and apartment buildings and medical and everything to reach that threshold. And if you're not at $24,000 in deductions, your donation isn't going to help you because you don't achieve that number. So that's caused a lot of people to just sell their cars to the junkyard themselves and get 50 or $100 or... Oh, that's... that's, uh, Okay. So it's dried up the donations. Okay. And and so and and then this project, the one of of giving the cars and donating the cars to people with the agencies that you've worked with, like Tubman. You, this yeah. is you, I, I, I hear from your ads on the radio that it sounds like it's going to come to an end. Am I right about that? Well, we're looking for a smaller space, and uh, there's a, a different, more narrow dealer license that we can have to process vehicles, and it's uh, used for 501c3 nonprofits. Okay. And we don't have to have a zoned car lot. We don't have to have a certain amount of blacktop and parking. But that means we'll be limited to the number of cars we have on hand. So our ability to serve the public is going to be reduced quite okay. a bit. So, but if we get enough vehicles donated, we can, you know, weed them out and get the ones that are are good and still still keep the project going. Okay, all right. So that's possible. So if if we have listeners right now that are listening, and they've got a car that they want to get rid of, but and and they understand they're not going to get the deduction for it, but they also want to do good in the world. Isn't that part of what this is all about? This is about doing good in the world. They can still contact you, and they can still give you a, get you the car. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And what number would they yeah. call, Richard, if they wanted to get a car to you? From one of our listeners right now. Well, I do all the pickups of the vehicles because I want to be able to answer people's questions about our process. Sure. Uh, if they are eligible for taxes, I don't really get into that, but I can tell them about the new tax change. And I, I feel like I'm a, a well-qualified person to load the car on the trailer and bring it in safely. And they like to know, well, how about the title change and insurance? And right. because we're a licensed dealer, all that's covered. So uh, they would just call me. My number is 612-919-5555. Okay. I always answer that phone myself take the information and make arrangements to bring it in. And I can usually tell a person on the phone if their car would be probably be one that we'd refurbish and, and use in our project. And the uh, website is autotechnical.org. Is that right? A-U-T-O technical.org, correct? Yeah, we okay. have about three little ones. We ATI.org, autotech.org, and autotechnical.org. Any one of those will Okay. To our web. All right. 
So now, Richard, I just want to ask, we've got about uh, three minutes left, and I just want to ask, yeah. how, you know, I mean, your wife says, uh, you know, you need, to, you need to quit being retired, yeah. okay? <laughs> but there's a lot of different things you could have done. What is it about you? I mean, what happened in your past um, that caused you to have such a big heart? And and to be an idealist, and I know that that's probably not a word you're familiar with associating with you. But what what happened? How did you get here to be this kind of a person? Oh, it's so hard to talk about. Well, you know, you just grow up and uh, parents are scuffling, divorced, bad things happen, uh, and you just find out how important transportation is. Well, I'll tell you, my wife told me when we first started, she says, <clears throat> you're going to find this so rewarding. And I really didn't know what she meant. But when people come in, and, oh, man, give me a second. Take your time. You're touching everyone who's hearing your voice right now, Richard. They come in, the kids will be jumping around. They're so happy. We can go do things. You know, imagine getting on the bus with three kids, 5 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, take them to some daycare, and then getting on the bus and going back to work. People sometimes break down in tears and can't stop. And I think we we all can relate to the time we didn't have a car. Well, I just seems I'm embarrassing myself. Okay, here. okay, <laughs> okay, uh, Richard. That's okay. Don't. That's fine. You are. Uh, I, I guarantee you that you just have touched everyone who just heard what you said, including me. Now the thing about having big hearts, okay, and the thing about being an idealist, Richard, is that. It matters. It does. You know, and uh, you, uh, you know, um, you you just, I want to tell you that I really greatly respect what you've done. I mean, you you know, this is a second career for you. I'm assuming you're not uh, necessarily a a youngster and you took on a whole lot of water um, to go and do good for other people. And I just want to tell you that I really respect you for that. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's really, really fun coming in. My granddaughter is my manager. She takes care of all the, listing the donations and calling the people when there was a car for them. And we're just, we, we just got a little neighborhood community with a couple of mechan one mechanic, a lot man, and a helper, and my granddaughter and me. Cause we really reduced our staff lately to. Right keep the cost down, but it, it's really still fun. I never get tired of it. They joke about me, when am I going to retire? And the, the joke is, when they pry my cold fingers from the steering wheel <laughs> of that tow vehicle. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I turned 85 in May, so I'm kind of glad it's slowing down. <laughs> 85. But I, but I still work, you know, 45 hours a week, and I pick them up pick up cars up until 7 o'clock at night if people are working. So we're, we're, ready, we're ready for donations. Sure would uh, 
like to hear from you if they had to have a car that would work in our program. Give the no- truck van. Give us the number one more time, Richard. Oh, thank you. Six one two nine one nine five five two six. Well, Richard Johnson, I just want to tell you, um, you are an idealist. You are somebody who's made a difference in the lives of many people. Um, and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you um, on the behalf of the human race, okay? Um, I really do. Well, thank you, too, for the exposure. This is really good for us at this point. Thank uh, you so much. You're, you're, you're just – Absolutely. And so, Richard, we've got to go, but I just wanted to tell you thank you. Thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. And just go forward, and I hope that it continues. I hope that the project can continue, and and just hang in there, okay? All right? Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, listeners, we've been talking to Richard Johnson from Auto Technical Inc. Um, I don't know about you, but this is why I do this show. This is why I do it, for us to hear from people who are making a difference in the world for families. And you can just imagine the sight of the kids jumping up and down as they get into that car with mom or dad or both of them and finally no longer having to take the bus. We'll be back in a minute for my C-Block. The only 2.0 radio, that's what you're listening to. Bye. At Better Futures Minnesota, our purpose is to fuel and guide our men's desire to turn their lives around and walk a new path toward better health and success. We are intent on changing the costly systems and practices that produce poor results and perpetuate the chaos and cycles of dependency experienced by men who have faced incarceration. We are building a movement that supports personal transformation and a healthy, vibrant community of men. Visit us at betterfuturesminnesota.com to learn how you can support our movement. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. One opportunity is at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota on October 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. There, I'll be presenting my human inclusivity turning gray area thinking. Go to graceandover.org for details. This is a free event. That's me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, trying to make the world better. I hope to see you on October 6th at Grace Lutheran Church. And we're back on AM 950. Ellie Krug here, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Okay, um... Well, if you had been uh, watching on Facebook Live as I was interviewing uh, Richard Johnson, uh, you would have seen me crying. Uh, And I've got to tell you, um, as I was listening to Richard, there was a thought going through my life about the privilege um, that I have. I mean, (laughs) to be able to talk to people like Richard Johnson and, and, and to witness them opening up about 
about their hearts. I don't know about you, but I mean, it just grabbed me. And 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 I I'm thinking that I mean, I have an incredibly charmed life. I I, I do. I I am incredibly lucky. Because Monday of this week, I was in Idaho where I presented at a conference of juvenile justice professionals. Um, I got to take a tour, a little bit of a road trip through uh, eastern Idaho to see how beautiful it was. The next day I get back, I get off the airplane. It's 8, 8.30 at night on one of the most beautiful uh, summerish nights of the season. I get on my bike at 8.30 at night and ride around Lake Harriet and Lake um, Lake. Uh, Makabitasaka, excuse me, I'm not even pronouncing it right, but you know what I'm saying here. And I should have that down, and I don't. That's my my bad. Um, and, uh, uh, and and I got to I, and then I get to talk to somebody like Richard. It, it just I, I'm so incredibly lucky that I get to do this work. And and with this work, I want to talk a little bit about an email I received recently from a listener. Um, I, you know, I give out my email address and feel free to email me, lejkrug at gmail.com. This listener is located in uh, Superior, Wisconsin. Um, he apparently had been a listener for a very long time. Um, my understanding was based on what he said in the, in the, um, email, uh, is that he had set up, uh, uh, he had set up an organization in Superior to promote, um, racial justice and healing. Um, I'm guessing that this person is a white-colored person. I'm not sure. But he emailed me and he was very angry at me for using the phrase black color as I'm referring to people other than uh, the people who have black-colored skin. Um, and uh, and he was very angry. And, and one of the things that he rightly pointed out is that the use of language can be very impactful and I cannot agree with that more. Um, but he was very upset and in fact so upset to say that he was um, no longer going to listen not only to my show but no longer going to tune into AM 950 because I use the phrase black color, black color humans. Um, you may recall when I started doing that on the air, I did actually explain it but I want to come back to it. So when we talk about racism, okay, that phrase racism, okay, it's a misnomer because there are no separate races. There are no separate races in the world. There are only humans who come in different colors, shapes, and sizes. But historically, people in power, and that is mainly people who are of the white color, have created a fiction based on the idea of separate races. Uh, that idea, by the, by the way, is embodied in the United States Constitution. That is the bedrock of our country because the Constitution recognizes the existence and the right of people of white-colored people to enslave other people, mainly people from Africa, people of African heritage. Um, and in fact, the Constitution account, uh, counted them as less than uh, whole humans. And we know that uh, they were treated as property um, in colonial days. They were. Um, and up until the time of the Civil War. Thus, um, we... We have white supremacy, which is the idea that white is the default, that white is the primary color, that white is the color that is the one that everybody wants to be. And if you are not white, then you are lesser just simply by the color of your skin. And there are two things at play here by why I'm using this phrase, black colored humans. First of all, I use the phrase white colored humans because people don't believe that white is a color. 
Um, they don't. They believe that white is normal or base. Uh, the emailer, the, who, the listener who emailed me didn't take issue with me using the phrase white color. The second thing is by simply – if we just call people black, OK, those black people, all right? You hear that phrase quite a bit. I believe, frankly, it reinforces the, na- the notion of race. I do. That there's a, a black race of humans, OK? And I object to that. I do. I would much prefer using the phrase black colored humans because it helps to make the point that skin color is just that. It's only skin color. It is not humanity. Now, I do not want to get into overlooking the challenges that different people have in our country based on the color of their skin. And I am not trying to minimize that and I'm not trying to do a false equivocation uh, for everyone. I'm not trying to do that whatsoever. Um, I've run the phrase black colored humans by uh, diversity and inclusion professionals who are of the black color and they were good with that phrase. In fact, some of them have praised me for it because um, – because I'm a white-colored person doing this. Um, and yes, I think it's perfectly appropriate to use the phrase African-Americans as well. And, and I'm using – trying to use that interchangeably. But I've been focusing on using the phrase black color because I'm trying to make a point. Um, and you know what? I know that I make people uncomfortable. I've had people at the station say that I make them uncomfortable by using the phrase black color human. Um, but you know what? <laughs> we, we're not going to get there. We're not going to change the landscape without being uncomfortable. Sorry, we're not. And so, and and you know, uh, great with great humility, um, I I believe my role is to lead. I mean, this is an area in which I've staked my territory, in which I speak greatly across the country. I'm sorry if that leading causes some to want to simply shout at me and then tune the station out. I'm sorry about that. Um, but. That's what leading is about, frankly. And lastly, all of this is out of compassion. Okay, um, I am trying to single-handedly, but you know, I mean, I'm just a little person to right the wrongs that have been 400 years in the making. And um, and so, uh, I will continue to use the phrase "black colored humans" um, or "black colored person." I will. But by all means, email me if you want to uh, have a further conversation about it. Please, the email is lejkrug at gmail.com. And I appreciate you listening to me about this. I do. And trying to have some understanding. I am an egalitarian as much as possible. And it is, as you know, you've heard me say this. It is my remaining life's mission to make this world a better place. It is. That's why I'm an idealist. Okay, well, we've got another show in the bag. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed it. Um, hopefully, I've challenged you because that's what the role is for me to do. A big thanks to our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Let Bev know I sent you. She does fantastic work. And also, a, th- a big thanks to our other sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. Brett Johnson, my producer, is always, always of extremely wonderful, excellent caliber. And you, my listeners... You are good, too. Go out in the world. Be good to other humans. You know, um, let me hear about those great things that that you find in the world. And by all means, know that I care about you. I'll be back next week. Ellie Krug, signing off.